Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. This week, we talk about the all-powerful car lobby from someone who's on the front lines of the all-powerful bike lobby. Tom Flood used to work in the advertising industry and helped car companies sell their products. Then he started biking with his kids and a light bulb went off. These days, he entertains a massive online audience with ads of his own, short videos that focus on what he calls the absurdity of the everyday dangers and sacrifices our children and all of us make to drivers. His work has been viewed by hundreds of thousands of people, and I did my best during the interview to convince him to leave his current day job and do anti-car marketing full-time. If you think the power of marketing can be the ultimate force for good or evil when it comes to safer streets, this is a conversation you don't want to miss. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, Tom. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Thanks for asking me. You sort of are, are a different kind of um, advocate. I've always been fascinated in, in my years and sort of looking at the, the bicycle advocacy industrial complex, if you will, and like <laughs> all the different ways that people do their activism. You talk to a, shop, a bike shop employee and they're like advocates. They're so excited to like make sure people have the right products. That's how they are contributing, you know? And so, I mean, there's just so many different ways uh, people are sort of manifesting their uh, traffic and transportation reform advocacy yeah. is how I... But your, yours is, is another different wrinkle that I haven't haven't really seen. And so I wanted to share a little bit more with folks sort of about you and about the work that you're doing and, and sort of how you see it um, operating within what's going on right now and maybe uh, uh, moving outside of, of this world anyway. So we can get, get into some of that stuff. But, you know, I think it's always fun to just kind of help set the context a little bit and let folks know, like, you know, where does Tom Flood come from? How did you arrive uh, with this Twitter feed that uh, a lot of a lot of people love to look at uh, that's got these uh, these interesting videos on it. So we'll, we'll get into that later. But how did you how did you end up here? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's like a normal path to ending up in this kind of space. Um, for me, it definitely isn't a normal if there is a normal I actually. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a pretty normal uh, suburban 1980s kind of life kid on a bike, you know, bike around when it gets dark, come in that kind of, that kind of world. Um, and then as soon as you're 16, you know, you get, you get your license and you start driving. That's, that was just the norm. Bikes weren't at all a part of my transportation life. It was just for fun, you know, r running around kind of, you know, stranger things type of type of idea. Um, and then, you know, I, I moved to Toronto as soon as I could, because like many kids, you want to leave leave the suburbs um, and get to the big city. Um, so I used a bike just to get around to, you know, to bars, to gigs, whatever you do, you know, to work, um, just normal living. But it was never some sort of political statement. It was just easier to get around. Didn't have a car, didn't want one, didn't have money for one anyways. Um, and it was just easier to get around the city on a bicycle. Um, so yeah, biked around. And eventually, you know, I had a couple of kids and it, it, my light bulb moment, as they say, was the moment I took those kids out uh, to daycare and school on, on the bicycle. And it was an immediate shock to my system. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess I was just living in a more selfish, selfish, sheltered environment that when I was biking, I knew there were dangers when I was riding around the city, but I never really thought about it beyond, oh, that really sucks. Like, oh, this guy almost hit me um, until I had those kind of 
uh, my, to my, to have my kids with me, uh, right beside me on the street. And that, that's when it all kind of changed for me when I, my eyes opened up somewhat, um, to the absurdity of it all that was, that was on our streets and something that I just, I guess I just didn't see. Um, and it took that moment for me to see it. And at that time you were, we were working in the marketing and ad, ad business and sort of thing. And so tell me how you kind of ended up posting these videos or when, how did you create one of these first videos? Well, I mean, strangely enough, I, my, my formal background and careers is advertising. So I was working at a few different agencies and I actually worked on auto accounts, um, again, which was the strangest thing, um, you know, biking in these kind of ridiculous situations, you know, and then going to the office and marketing those, <laughs> those same vehicles. Um, but yeah, so kind of fast forward to when I had my light bulb moment, I really only, I wasn't really on social media and I only took to it like many people do to just kind of vent your frustrations. You know, that, that's all it was, was again, I, I say this a lot, but just the, how absurd it was and how, how ridiculous the situation was and what um, people outside of the car were being asked to to do just to get to something as simple as school. Like it was, it was so outrageous to me when that moment happened. So it was just a place for me to, to vent, maybe creatively vent, but um, that was it just to kind of yell about it a bit, just like everybody else. And was that like four or five years? Like how many years ago was that? That was maybe like six, six years ago. And I just did it a little bit here and there. Um, And then as many people that or on social media, you know you start connecting with other people and you start getting involved in inside the community here and the broader community, sort of snowballing into talking to other people and hearing people's shared experiences until it got to the, the point it's at now. Cool. And you mentioned, you know, that vulnerability of, of your kids and being with your kids as a vulnerable user uh, biking on streets. I've certainly heard that so many times that that's sort of the radicalizing moment right. for people, right? Um, and so for, I'm sure people that are hearing this are, have probably seen one of your videos, but I'm curious if you could just describe for us sort of what, what your videos are like, how would you describe that to someone? That, 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 that's a great question. I mean, there's, there's a few, so they're kind of different. Just in general, um, kind of like, what's the general kind of, uh, aesthetic and sort of narrative, narrative point of these things? You know, it, we are we as humans outside of the car up against such a massive marketing machine from our um our auto overlords as we say that i thought it would be interesting and again not the first by any means at all but interesting to try to highlight some of the absurdity in videos that are maybe that are somewhat you know palatable for a more mainstream audience to see some of that absurdity in maybe a more friendly way, but it's still being subversive. Mm. I take it that you've probably seen some traffic safety PSAs, like from the government, maybe your local, your local city or municipality, and, and maybe you've seen some, some sort of like traffic safety stuff from advocacy groups and like, and care to give like, you know, an assessment of the, the body of work that was existing or that you looked at maybe uh, before you made yours or eh, any input I, on that? Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing everything they can, at least from an advocacy stance, our leadership could be doing a lot more, not, not everybody, but um, majority of them in a lot of our cities aren't hardly doing enough. I mean, I looked at creating content that was maybe, maybe more in line with the marketing I was doing for, for clients. Um, rather than some of the cut and dry things that you see from 
your your city, for example. And again, I don't want to generalize all cities and, and all people, but you know, you see the same the same three campaigns. It's you know, you know, be safe, be seen. Then you see you know, Halloween, be be safe, be seen. And you know, it's summertime, be safe, be seen. It's this it's the yeah. same kind of thing over and over and over with always just, you know, avoiding the the root, the, the actual problem. Yeah. 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 One thing I always think about on these is, you know, it's 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 relatively easy to sort of reach the choir, right? Reach the already converted, especially social media. I mean, that's how it's constructed is to have a bunch of people who sort of think and believe the same thing talking to each other. So I you know, I'm just curious, like if you if you've thought of that in terms of like getting your work out beyond sort of the usual suspects and reaching people outside the choir. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. And again, this was whatever I'm doing right now was never intentional. It was never my goal to, to really change people's minds or perceptions uh, at the beginning, at the onset of this, it was really just a place to, to, to vent. Um, but know, knowing that and things have changed and, you know, there are campaigns I've been involved with now, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people that have been able to develop work with me now that's outside of, you know, maybe this extremely niche, this, this niche audience. So that's kind of where things are hopefully going right now. Um, I know I've got a few uh, speaking engagements and workshops coming up um, at various universities, which is pretty amazing that that's starting to come into fruition now. So I, again, I don't have an end goal. I'm not sure if that's what you're, it's out, if that's what you're asking, but it's been a very slow process. And again, not one that's been planned, but a slow, gradual process to, I, I would love to be able to have these things in the mainstream more, or this kind of messaging that many people are doing already. Like, like for instance, you know, maybe would your goal be to sort of like have one of the big bike brands somehow work with them to, to get, you know, to, or, or anybody else. I'm trying to, th I was trying to think, you know, as I was thinking about talking to you, like what would be, what kind of company would, would carry a message like this? Um, you know, that's not a government agency or something, or like, how could these end up in like a prime in some prime advertising space, right? Like New York times articles or Super Bowl ad, right. Or whatever. I mean, not that that may ever happen, but you know, just like you said, I think that, that does feel like your goal to get these in front of a bigger mainstream audience. And it's like, how would, how could can we talk about like how would that happen? Who would carry that message? Would it be the Trek and Specialized that would somehow see the value in the sort of advocacy impact influence piece that you're I think pushing for, you know? And then it's like a matter of you know who who comes up with that money? Like have you have you thought about that kind of stuff? I know you've done work with transportation alternatives, which is great. Uh, and I'm just kind of curious, like is that something you've thought about? You know what? There's so there's someone um, that's doing a campaign in the UK uh, the last year or so. His name's Adam. Tranter, um, and he runs a bike is best campaign. I'm not sure if you've yeah, seen those that. ads. So that's wonderful. Yeah, those are really good. He, yeah, he's done an incredible job, um, and he's managed to get a few manufacturers, some local, some shops, all on board, and kind of create this council to develop creative to push uh, bicycling, uh, which has been amazing. So that is that is what he's doing is kind of where you want to get to because they have you know they have a budget and they have. Uh, mainstream access. Yeah, so that that's a that's another way to look at it. That makes a lot of sense. So maybe it's like an independent uh, thing, right? Where maybe it's you and a consortium of other creators, but you're not necessarily going to have to rely on someone else to carry this message. Like you can just create through your own funding, through your own wherewithal. You can then deliver the message to bigger and bigger audiences. Okay, yeah, I like that. That makes me that makes me feel better. Okay, good. Yeah, it's it's amazing what he's what he's done over there with um, those partners. So hats off to Adam, and you know I've gotten to know him a little bit and. It's been uh, good to get to know that guy. Yeah. So the other thing that I'm really 
interested about just in general with kind of like your aesthetic and your work and how you're you're really focused on like the car design and then those two big things I mean, at least the ones that I've been sort of attracted to, you know, this whole idea, idea of like these souped up Dodge muscle cars, which are raging and it's it's a problem nationally. I mean, we have a street racing epidemic that's going on here. You know, kids are killing each other and racing on the street and doing all kinds of uh, donuts and all kinds of stuff. And also then there's also the big truck thing, which is related, but separate. There's actually some advocacy that's been happening on this stuff. But I'm curious, you know, from from your perspective, and you talked about, I saw a talk you did where you talked about you wanted to be, you know, make sure that you're, the stories you're telling and that that's advocates are telling is sort of like relatable and not too not too mean to the, the, the other side or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, if you could just share your thoughts on kind of like that balance, because like your stuff is clearly saying, hey, these cars are really not great (laughs) and i don't like them so like you know it it reminds me of a a friend of mine posted something on on twitter uh about a huge truck and how they should not even be allowed on the street there's a massive massive front grill on this big pickup and he got so harangued somebody found it you know that there's some truck club or something and they were going after him so i mean i remember that I know you're you're kind of aware of this idea that like you know you have to build a bridge to the other side we've got to make this more relatable mainstream but then like it also has to be direct. So like, is that a conflict for you? How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's no, that's, that's a great question. And you know, the more and more time that goes by and the more people that are being murdered on our streets by road violence, like you start losing that olive branch. It starts becoming, we no. I think we have to go the other way. So um, for me personally, anything I share as just myself I, I don't have to look at it through that lens because it's just me and how I feel. But if developing things for other groups or organizations, you, ha- you have to be conscious of that. Um, and again, it's it, sadly, it comes down to, we, we, we've, we've been so reverent to the car and the driver for so long. Even the smallest ask is, is monumental. Um, so yeah, we are, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the kid gloves. I'm tired of, having to, you know, coddle drivers to ensure that, you know, nothing is dis- disrupted in their, in their free flowing God given right to, to get around town. Um, but it's exhausting. And I, I, I know your questions about balance. So I think it really depends on the, on the situation and who your intended audience is. I mean, there, there is, there has to be some sort of middle ground at some point, but it's really, yeah, it's it's a conflict to develop that that creative messaging um, when you feel so strongly that it needs to be such leaps and bounds of where it is already. Yeah, and and hearing you say that makes me think that the sort of future for Tom Flood's creative or whatever this campaign, let's say, the future of that is really going to depend on whether you can maintain this independence or not. Because as as you know, and I've experienced for years. If you were to do work for government agencies or for even bike corporations, and I'm not sure if you you know, you probably know, but a lot of the big bike brands are in love with car companies. I mean, I yeah, I was really close to pointing that out, like in an op-ed at one point. I don't think I ever did. I may have beat, beaten around the bush, but I mean, there was there was one point where even People for Bikes, which is the biggest player in U.S. national advocacy, you know, they have this huge sponsorship with Volkswagen. You know, a massive yeah. one. It was almost their title sponsor. And it's like, wait, Volkswagen lied to the EPA about their mission. They're a terrible, terrible company. I mean, so anyway, that's kind of this underlying thing. So, you know, your response to that question about balance is like, well, I 
personally, I kind of hope that you're able to stay independent <laughs> so we can get some of that, you know, emotion maintaining, you know, keeping in, in into the creative because I think it's important. I agree. I, I think so too, and it's it's. I think it's important to, to to be subversive and try to highlight those kind of highlight that absurdity, but in a way that people can just understand. Um, like it is, it is truly like it's so ridiculous that you know, kind of this mainstream narrative of you know, you, you want your kid to bike to school, and you know, automatically you're 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 anti car, like you're just labeled with 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 you know you know pick your poison you know you 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 want your senior mother to walk to the store well gosh, anti-car you know like it just it it's 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 unbelievable what's what that what's happened to the to the mainstream narrative of who people on bikes are who people the people are that want spaces that are accessible and safe for everyone it's it's incredible um the propaganda machine that's you know gone over the last 100 you know 70 and in hyperdrive in the last 30 years yeah, I mean, like you've, you know, that th that term propaganda machine, you use the word, um, what are our overlords? I mean, do you think that there is this malevolent force like big auto? I mean, do you, you've sort of been in the industry, I'm assuming yeah. you maybe sat in on some pitch meetings with some auto industry people, like, how much credence do you think there is to that idea that there is this big auto? And are they this malevolent force? Or is it? What do you think about that? Yeah, I know, I, I don't in my I, I'll speak to my experience. But it wasn't as malicious as there'd be a better story if I could tell you it was. It seemed malicious, but it's but but you know what? But that's what makes it so insidious is mm, that mm. it's been so gradual that we've barely even noticed what's happened until you, all of a sudden you're like, again, I always think it's so funny and so indicative of our culture. When people find out I drive, it's nothing. It's not like I'm proud that I drive, but it's just like, yeah, I, I have a car. I use it. Like, oh, you do? I'm like, well, what do you think? Just because I want my kids not to be run over, I don't have a car? You know, wow, Jesus. Like, I can't, what's happened? It's, it's been so, it's been so well done. And again, it's, I don't even think it's been done intentionally. It's been such a slow process of taking space away from people outside the car that all of a sudden we're left with, with what? Not much. And if you ask for a little bit, again, you're just immediately labeled as some outsider. Yeah, like put yourself in, in the, in like a Dodge, you know, Dodge marketing person's shoes, how do you think they would respond to <laughs> to your videos and in, in, in these sort these criticisms? Well, Dodge, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dodge and their whole lineup is. I can't speak to any inside meetings there, but I mean, they're doing they're marketing they're, they're marketing road violence. If you've seen any one of their ads, it's it's absolutely astonishing. I'm curious, like, how you think they would respond? Like, would they? Would they laugh at it and just embrace it and say, sorry, you know, you social justice warrior, too bad. You know, this is the cars people want. Yes. Or would they would they take it into consideration and think, gosh, no. I never, like, what do you think? Would they deny it? How do you think? I'm curious. Would they deny what I mean, they're would they, doing? Would, yeah. Would they say, oh, you're you're completely a crackpot. What are you talking about? No one agrees with you. You're you're on the fringe. I mean, do well, you ever thought about that? No, not not really, because I they. I, I don't think they, they don't care at all there. I don't think there's, there's, they, there's any thought from them. Mm. There's nothing I've made uh, creatively that's changed any of what they've done. They, they, it, it, what they've created looks like satire. It, it, it looks like, you know, I wrote a piece for streets blog a little while ago, but it's like elementary school playground bravado. The, the best way to put it, like the way they describe their cars, it's like, it's like 10 year olds talking in the park. Yeah, it's, and it's it's real, and it's it they they love it. They eat it up, and 
the people that love their cars, they also enjoy that. It's it's so hard to watch it. I mean, once you sort of clicked over to this other side that I think you and I are both on, because I'm I'm absolutely the same way with these ads. It's it's so like there's such this dissonance where I'm just I'm kind of laughing at them because I feel like these are like you know massive like matchbox cars and they're just like little kids playing and so it's super hilarious how like their sad sort of mental health toxic masculinity problems are are being exposed yet while i laugh at that it's like it's got such a serious consequence i mean right Right. speeding through the neighborhood one time and a kid can die or somebody can die i mean that's the that's what's so unsettling about this and i think that's kind of what you've you've hit on with your with your pieces yeah i mean i mean dodge is the great example i mean just the way they promote their vehicles are exactly the opposite of how we're supposed to operate our vehicles it's 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 just the exact opposite and you know it's 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 all fine and well because they put in a you know a two-point font that says you know close course you know do not attempt at home but yeah i mean uh you know play play politician for a sec or or policy maker i mean like yeah you mentioned the, the, yes, they do have some warning labels sort of on these ads, which are absurd and no one really notices them. What what do you think would be like a sensible response to this? You know, what if a car company did engage you and said, OK, Tom, we're going to maybe it's Volvo. They're, they seem to be the only ones with any kind of conscience. <laughs> right. And they said, OK, Tom, let's see. We're going to pay you a consulting fee and we're going to bring you know, what kind of stuff. Uh, what could we do to to sort of satisfy your concerns? You know, what what would it be? Would it be a huge label like on like on cigarette cartons or something like that or, or any have you ever thought about that like what would that kind of regulation look like in your mind uh interesting i mean i am i guess right now i'd be the wrong person to want to make a, a car <laughs> um because again we've been selling it like it's a party you know for 100 years where it's exactly not a party um but if yeah but if i had to if i was asked you know what could we do right now yeah absolutely there should be massive warning labels on these things that's a good question. I, Do you think you can make a, a a car ad that would like make driving look like fun, but then the driving wouldn't be so deadly? I mean, is that that possible? It's possible, right? Yeah, like well, it it, it is possible, but that's I mean part of the problem. And again, it's it, it was it's been so gradual that we've been telling everybody it's a super good time and it's going to be the best. Where as soon as something's fun, then you're maybe not paying attention to what you should mm-hmm. be doing, which is operating this thing. And so I, you know, if I had my druthers, as they'd say, we would completely overhaul how vehicles are marketed, but it's too late because we've, it's already in us and in our culture now um, to, to expect, you know, unobstructive movement um, and every women desire we have as drivers to be satisfied in our cars. And if it doesn't go that way, then we're really, really angry about it. And that's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it, it's so massive, right? I mean, the auto industry is usually like the top one or two spenders of, of buyers of advertising as a as an industry category, like thirteen, fourteen billion dollars a year. So it's such a juggernaut of content, essentially, and reach. It's almost as yeah. if it, it's going to have to for anything to sort of stem that tide. It's going to have to be cultural perceptions shifting on like a large scale, right? Where these companies all of a sudden look look like they're untoward or look like they're out of step with what consumers want if they're marketing danger, I guess. So in that regard, I mean, that's, that feels like a little bit hopeful because if that's what people like, like you and other advocates and, 
and you know, Bike Portland to some degree, where we, we're publishing stuff in this space, that's the kind of stuff we can play some role in is shifting perceptions over time and getting more people to care about stuff. So, yeah, I know, and it's a long game for sure, but it's I, I, truly, I, you know, hats off to yourself and the organization for the work you do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a fortunate, but like I always, I always want to ensure we we tip our hats to our local organizations that really do the heavy lifting day in and day out. You know, they these are the people that work tirelessly. You know, when I can bail out on a council meeting or, you know, mouth off or something, they can't because they're in a position where they are the authoritative voice and they're trying to make the change right there and then. So, you know, I always want to make sure I tip tip my hat to the people that do this day in and day out. So thanks. Thank you. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And and um, on on that note, one of my favorite groups in the country is Transportation Alternatives. Tell tell me a little bit about that project. Yeah, I just I connected with the executive director Danny Danny Harris. We have a campaign, um, New York City twenty five by twenty five, and they wanted to highlight some of you know the positive change that could happen on our streets and put those pieces together. I'm not sure if you saw them, but yeah, they're they're up there somewhere. Yeah, they, they look great. I, I wonder if you have any advice on what can you know transportation reform advocates, bike advocates, walking at, what can people that see your stuff and follow you, like, what can they do to like amplify this thing and, and just like increase the reach, right? Is there like a, is there like a DIY grassroots way to like build this reach that we can't afford through buying ad space, you know? You know, that it's, that's an interesting thought. And I'm, I, you've, you've kind of mentioned that a couple of times now. I'm, I'm starting to think about what that next step could be to, to, to do that. Why, why not? And I, again, I, I think about Adam in, in the UK and how he's managed to, to actually do it, which is, is incredible. And I am, I don't have an answer for, for you right now, but it is something that like, I, th I think about it more and more now, maybe that is the next step in trying to organize um, something. Well, yeah. Whatever and, that I mean, may be. And, and, you know, sorry if this is like, you know, too personal, we can edit it out, but <laughs> are you at a place in your life where you can work on this more? I mean, are you still have? Do you work sixty hours a week for a boss, and you you're doing this on the side, and you're at your wits' end, or like, are you at a place where, let's say, you could develop a more a stronger independent campaign and get it going, like the one in the UK? Is that something you're in a position to do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I still I still work marketing as a as a as a job as well. Um, as so, so did I, Tom. But... So, so did I, Tom. So okay, <laughs> you, you can jump ship, man. Come on, let's go do this thing. So, yeah. but there is. Sorry, more and more opportunities continue to present themselves. This side of my life is starting to become, um, it started to take over a lot more time than it ever had before. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, there is bandwidth and there's bandwidth because uh, I kind of believe in, you know, the end goal of, of trying to change things, even though I started out with zero interest and it was just a place to, to yell and scream, even though I do that sometimes still. <laughs> That's great. So it sounds like end goal could be, yeah, could be something like a, like, like sort of a, a broader campaign. Um, one thing I want to ask, have you, is there anything you can say about response to your stuff that, that has been negative? Have you, have people found you, you know, from, I don't know, some Dodge truck Facebook group and went after you? I'm curious, has there been any uh, negative like opposition to your stuff yet? I haven't seen it personally. You know, there's, well, there's always, there's always, you know, online kind of trolls and, 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 and such. Um, I, I don't really know if there's any, been anything extremely negative. I lost my Twitter account for a while. 
<laughs> went down, yeah. but I'm I'm back now, which is good. Um, but I was yeah, gonna ask you about been... that. Was that a copyright thing or what? Yeah, but I've been I've been trying to figure out what set it off. So I'm trying to I'm just, I've got my account back, and I'm still kind of waiting for responses. And I've had some people reach out um, who work at Twitter um, from our you know like Twitter family uh, to offer assistance. So that's been really nice. Um, but yeah, no, there's been no I haven't had any calls from from dodge darn it because that would really solidify the malevolent <laughs> overlord yeah i know big right? auto that i think we're all hoping is out there so we have a, a foil to go up against bicycle lobby versus big auto come on someone just start a big auto twitter handle has only i guess there's some there's some that are trying to do that but that would be so funny <laughs> yeah is there anything else that you want folks to know about you know tom flood or what you're trying to do and I, I'm pretty grateful for all the people I've been able to meet in this space. And that's something that I was completely unexpected um, when I first started logging into, into social media. I did not expect to meet so many people and so many good people and so many smart people that I'm able to learn from now. It's been, it's been amazing, to be honest, because as much as a, of a cesspool the space can be, um, I got to tell you, when, when my account went down about a month ago, and then I kind of woke up with, oh, I don't have my accounts gone. It was really strange to lose those connections to people that that you've kind of been talking with, you know, daily. It's like another family. And it's been, yeah, so I think the relationships, um, it's been amazing and encouraging. And seeing everyone's work um, kind of throughout North America and the world is pretty inspiring. And that's, yeah, it's been great. That's so cool. So. With any luck, maybe those relationships and that that sort of second online family can can be the thing that can launch something, you know, a, a, a big campaign in the future. No pressure or anything, you know, I'm just saying that would be, would be interesting. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you coming on, Tom, and sharing this with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. That was creative consultant and Safe Streets activist Tom Flood. You can find him on Twitter at TomFlood1, that's the number one, and learn more in our show notes. Our theme music is by Kevin Hartnell. And if you like this episode, please leave a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. A special thanks to all our Bike Portland supporters and subscribers who make this podcast and all of our content possible. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'll see you in the streets.